0: I debated whether or not to answer this phone call. Or not.
1: <laughs> I can certainly understand that. Um, we'll all go through this together. <laughs> um, okay, let me uh, let me call uh, let me call him in here. Okay, should be ringing. Don't know why it's not ringing. Hmm. There goes. Oh God. Let's just go through this together. Uh, let's try to keep it short to 20 minutes or so, just because otherwise it will just be nothing but pain. Oh, what are you expect otherwise? Well, that's what I mean, so. In three, two, one.
0: All right, Georgia fans, it was rainy, very rainy. We were all wet and cold as Alabama rolled into Sanford Stadium Saturday afternoon and put it on the dogs in every facet of the game. But viewing the Alabama game in the rearview is key because of the next four outings, they're all against SEC East opponents, which might make or break Georgia's season. It's time to move on quickly. That's why this podcast is only 20 or so minutes. Hey there, my name is Scott Duvall, and you're listening to episode 14 of the Waitin' Since Last Saturday podcast, and in it, you'll hear myself and my fellow co-hosts, Will Leach and Tony Waller, touch on the obvious shortcomings that Georgia experienced against Bama as we discuss which of the five stages of grief each one of us are currently experiencing. The good news, as Tony notes towards the end of this episode, is that technically, Georgia still has every preseason goal still intact as the trip up to Knoxville grows closer by the day. And after you finish this episode, I would encourage you to go and read the article, which I've linked in our show notes page, that Will wrote on SportsOnEarth.com, a site which he regularly contributes to, titled, Georgia Fans, When It Rains, It Pours. I think Will perfectly sums up the plight that we as fans feel so often when seemingly year after year, our football team stumbles and does it in spectacular fashion. So, without any further delay, let's get this podcast started and over with. Here's Will,
1: so, gentlemen, we meet. We were supposed to do this call earlier on Sunday. Technical difficulties, particularly a power line down in my neighborhood. In five points, may this go later. I was hoping the time would make me feel a little better. It, kind of a metaphor. It has not, Tony. We're going to get through this together. How do you feel today? and uh, about what happened on Saturday.
2: Well, we won the party, Will. You know, it's one of those games, we talked about this in our podcast last week, that the only way this game becomes a blowout is if one team or the other has one of those face-plant, you know, multiple-error games. Well, lo and behold, we were right. You can't give up short field after short field and 14 free points to a team like Alabama and expect to be anywhere in the game. And I'm not saying that if we don't give up the pick-six or the block-point that... that the, the loss changes but not just the tenor of the loss but what we can do afterwards because it was clear very early on that we were not going to be able to throw the football against them and that's where I was absolutely wrong in and, and my confidence in and Lambert and Schottenheimer and I, was just, well, I was just wrong and there's no way around that. Now that doesn't change that doesn't change some other structural issues we have on the line of scrimmage and that doesn't change kind of where you feel, what you feel about what happened yesterday
1: Okay, how about you, Scott?
0: I googled the five stages of grief because <laughs> I've, I've heard that there are five stages and I quickly realized that I skipped the first four and, and went straight to acceptance. What I mean by this is that I've gone through the denial, the anger, the bargaining, and the depression before in past seasons. I guess in recent history will. 2013 that night of the Clemson loss the very first game of the season not only did we lose to Clemson but then we find out we we've lost Malcolm Mitchell for the year and then last year after that lightning delayed South Carolina game I went through some of those stages of bargaining mainly and then depression and then eventually got to acceptance but this for some reason I maybe it was the fact that the weather had something to play with it. The fact that it came on so fast and turned on a dime. And once that blocked punt happened, you know, it was almost like, okay, well, here we go. Cause I was bargaining before the punt happened saying to my friend that I sit next to Carl and my, my seven year old son, like, Hey, even if it's 17, three at halftime, we're okay. You know, we just got to hold them starting the second half, but I could talk for hours about how I feel, but, in a nutshell, I've accepted it. It's just kind of what happens with being a Georgia fan. I've seen it happen before. It's the same movie over and over again. And I think to sum up, we got to wait till next week to really see how this movie is going to end.
1: All right. Well, we'll get to next week. But certainly, I'm impressed that you're able to make the quick jump of acceptance to something as frankly as kind of really sad. The idea that, like, yep, this is just what it means to be a Georgia fan. And it's funny because this is, you know, we've talked about this. We've been talking about this all year. The idea that, like, this Georgia stuff, this when are they going to lose, when are they going to so on, this this is clearly what Rick is trying to get over. This is clearly what he's trying to change. This has clearly been this kind of seriousness of purpose that they've had the last couple of years. And then this still happens. Now, Tony, I'm curious your thoughts on this. Do you think a game like Saturday – Is this just a a block punt sending Georgia off in the wrong direction and things just kind of snowball and get out of control? Or does this represent something fundamental? And I don't mean a problem with Rick thing. Does this feel like an accurate status of where Georgia is as a program, not just related to Alabama, but maybe to, to, to college football as a whole?
2: Well, th- let's be very clear. This is wholly different than losing to a Tennessee team that finished seven-five the year where you basically we were that face planted against the, what was the Lane Kiffin team or whatever it was. We went on to beat Hawaii in the Sugar This is a whole different thing. And I, I get what you're saying, and this might not be a popular view, but this isn't this isn't Georgia doing Georgia things. And I told me I told an Alabama fan sitting by in the stands. They're like, well, you know, Georgia always has this one game a year. I'm just like, y'all are a better football team than we are. This isn't like y'all lose in the Utah Sugar Bowl. I mean, this is different. We lost to a better team yesterday, and then we just have to accept that Alabama is a better football team than us. Now, on the field yesterday, were they 28 points better? Yes. But, you know, Scott, I really like what you said. You know, we went with four minutes left in the second half, in the second quarter. It was 10 to 7. And then the next thing you know, it was you know twenty four seven just that fast. That's what good teams do, and if you give those opportunities, now Georgia is a long way in my mind. Yesterday showed this from being the super League team that I thought we were. You know, the fact of the matter is, is everything. I don't still don't see anything out there, and that makes me think that our goals are still in place. We just have a long way to go to fix some structural things that yesterday showed that
0: we're not we haven't fixed yet you're right Tony because if someone were to ask me yesterday morning who do you think is the best team in the SEC I probably quickly very quickly would have said Ole Miss because look what they did to Alabama they've played legit competition and beat them on their field now granted it was with the aid of about five turnovers but hey that's part of the game
2: Alabama but see Alabama did the same thing we did Right. Granted, Alabama was more competitive with Ole Miss than we were, and then Ole Miss went to Gainesville last night and did the same thing we did. So. Well, that
0: makes you feel better.
2: I, yeah, and I and I, I get I, will I get I get what you're really asking, and are you're really asking is this 2010 11 Rick? It's not. Now next week I'd be proven wrong if we go to Tennessee and lose to a Tennessee team that really really seems to be reeling. Wow. Well, then it's a valid question. But losing to an Alabama team that was clearly better on the field than we were, um, and we and we knew that is not it's not hard for me to say. Look, it's, it's Alabama, and while I wanted to see us be competitive with them, and I could make the argument that we were competitive with them in a lot of phases of the game. You know, that we held them to one for you know one for twelve for third down conversions, for example. We're still not there yet. We're still not to the Super elite status that I thought we
0: were. Tony, did you read the stat that Alabama outgained us by only 80 yards?
2: Yeah, it was uh, 379 to 299. And, you know, look, they had two drives of over 50 yards. Two drives. That was it. I mean, they went three and out one, two, three, four, five, six times in the second half. They scored a touchdown on a 38-yard drive, and then they scored a touchdown on the interception in the second half. They scored a touchdown on a one-play 45-yard drive. They scored a touchdown on a black punt. Now, this may sound like, oh, sort of sour great losers, but you can't allow a team like Alabama to have two, basically two free touchdowns and three short fields and expect to win the ball game. And that's what happens when you do that.
1: You know, it's also worth noting that, while that's true, Georgia had 18 possessions in this game. Ten of them were three and outs. Uh, and yeah. one of them, those other eight, was Ramsey's pick six. Like, this is, yeah. like, you know, to me, the defense, you know, as, as much as you can equate yourself, I I, I agree that, like, you know, that's uh, those two drives were, were it, and they did a good job. But I mean, to me, I'm not. The story of this game is not Alabama pushing Georgia's defense around. It is Georgia's offense. You know, not just Lambert. You know, I think that not. Yeah, offensive line. Yeah, the offensive line looked like they struggled. Yeah, and to me, is that a just because Alabama is bigger? They play the same kind of game, and Alabama. Excuse me. Alabama is bigger, and therefore we played into their hands by trying to play a Georgia game that Alabama is gonna is just uh, uh, is, is just gonna be bigger and better at. And if so, you know you had people. I think maybe a little overblown, but certainly you had people saying you know two weeks ago, a week ago, yeah, wow, this is the worst Alabama team since Saban really got them going. That may or may not be true, but it's certainly not this epic, outstanding Alabama team. So this is we've considered this, you know, one of the better Georgia teams. The problem with this is this—it's either one of two things: it's either Georgia, Georgia Georgiaing again, or it's because we can't have it both ways. Or it's Georgia just simply, from a program building perspective, just not being as good at it, or even frankly as close to as good at it as Alabama is. I think
0: it's the quarterback. I mean, you know, not the last thing I would do is throw college kids under the bus. I just think as a whole, the quarterback play is substandard from even what we saw last year with Hudson Mason at times. Now I don't want to make some jump to say that they're better or worse than Hudson Mason because, you know, both years so far have been a little bit touch and go since the Aaron Murray administration left us. But it's like what I said in a podcast, maybe about three or four weeks ago or Three or four episodes ago, where it's almost like we have a four cylinder Porsche that we're driving around. I and mean, we've got all the parts. It's just we need a couple more cylinders. Is that? I'm not a car guy. So <laughs> we need, need something. You need,
1: you need 11 more cylinders. Uh, Trust we need. I'm a car guy.
0: Okay. okay good. And I just think that you could almost feel it. It was almost palpable that you just knew. You just knew that it wasn't going to happen. He didn't have it. There was a little yay when you saw Ramsey try it out there to begin the second a, half. A very
1: brief yay. Yeah.
0: I, mean, I, I kind of heard it. I felt it a little bit. And then it was kind of like, oh, okay, there we go. Well, I mean, That's-
2: that, that pass became very clear while Lambert beat him out. Because that was yeah.
0: a – No doubt. I
2: mean, I, you know, from my perspective, I they had a different view of this. From my perspective, he just absolutely missed. He missed his receiver. Now someone else had a different view that the receiver ran the wrong route or they were on the wrong page, that he ran a quick end, he did his receiver instead of the Alabama guy in the numbers. Um, now having said that I think I think you're right, it, it is the quarterback and you know, Coker had a spectacular game. But I thought we were gonna be in for a long game and I, I, I we alluded to this earlier if they you know if Alabama does something to disguise their coverages. They didn't even disguise the coverage, they just took the quick slant away. They basically said, you know what? If you can beat us running the football up front with us, with us basically running our standard, you know, two gap with linebackers cheating up and then basically dropping linebackers back into the, the quick, the quick strike passing lanes, you're just going to beat us. And that's what they did. And from the get go, they were able to get pressure on Lambert. And from the get go, Lambert had happy feet. And you know, but to give Alabama credit; they played spectacular defense. I mean, that we got 300 yards. We earned every yard. And, you know, somebody else today said, yeah, well, you know, take away that 83 yards. Well, can we just take away a couple of Alabama's big plays? We can't. We finally had the play we thought we were going to have uh, with the launch run. But the fact of the matter is, is that Alabama's defensive backs played extraordinarily well in covering our receivers. I mean, I, I fit in the end zone. And so I can pretty well see who's open and who's not. There were not a lot of times where Lambert got out of the pocket if he came out of the pocket and threw a pass where he had somebody to go to. There were a lot of times where he made the right decision and putting the ball down and, ran, and run, which we didn't see earlier in the season. And, you know, there is there a little bit of uh, solace in that. But the fact of the matter is Alabama outplayed us. Yeah. Outplayed us defensively against our offense. Um, offensively, you know, they, they did outplay us, but not by the way their defense outplayed their offense.
1: I understand listen, no one has been a bigger critic of Lambert than me. But Aaron Murray doesn't win this game. <laughs> yeah, he does. <laughs> no, yeah, he, he doesn't. Does. <laughs> no, yeah. I mean, come on. I mean I mean I love Aaron Murray was a terrific quarterback.
0: What about Jacob Eason? Would he win this game?
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I, my favorite thing is I, you know, I went on Dog Nation. Of course, there's all the horrible stuff before this game. And then just below it, as if to like be a salve to the wounds, there's a watch this brain video of Jacob Eason being brilliant. <laughs> just feel better, feel better, feel better But uh, from whatever high school game he played on Friday night. So certainly, yes, but man, I mean, I get it. Lambert was not great, and I agree uh, there was a lot of guys for him to go to, but, you know, I mean, there's a reason, you know, if, if Murray just doesn't do it, you know, and I think that that is, I think as the quarterback situation, which has been the main topic that we've been discussing, and, you know, we've been talking as if, like, man, the, your, your, your cylinder on a, on a on a Ferrari, I get it. But, man, to me, if we learned anything from this game is, yeah, 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 the quarterback situation, still not ideal. But, man, that is not the only thing that Georgia needs to work on. I I guess here's my question now. I don't want to get into too much previewing the rest of the season. We're still kind of post-gaming this, and then we'll put it in the trash and never talk about it again. But does it require to have a team like Alabama to expose Georgia this much? Does Mississippi expose them this much? Does... LSU exposed this, them this much, or is this specifically an Alabama thing because the way that they play is so similar to Georgia's, and, and because their athletes seem to, at this point, just maybe be a little bit better than Georgia's.
2: No, I think I think we play the the kind of game we're capable of playing as opposed to the game we played yesterday. This game is a, is in the range that we talked about, Will. I mean, this sounds like a little you know hands on the front of the pants. I'm not. I don't have an illness situation, but. You know, Alabama yesterday in one game was 28 points better than us. If we play this game 10 more times, they're not 28 points better than us every time. And, and we win some of those games. Yesterday was a situation where we got outplayed by a team that we gave basically 21 points to due to just individual errors, and we're going to lose those games every time. And if we give up a pick six and a black punt, we're going to lose to everybody in the conference. You know, you know who else will? Everyone else in the conference, and that's just how that's just what happens yeah. when you have those sort of
1: special team lapses. Yeah, but you're going to lose to Alabama 24 to 10 rather than <laughs> 38 to 10. I mean, I mean, I get it, man. I get it. I get it. A lot of stuff went wrong for for Georgia in this game. No question. That pump was bad. The interception was bad. Without question, bad brace kind of got the ball rolling downhill. But come on, you watched this game just like I did. Alabama looked like a dramatically better team than Georgia. doesn't mean that they're dramatically more talented or that it wasn't just a bad day for Georgia, but to me, this looks like a larger issue. And I'm not saying it's a Rick issue because I don't think that. I, I, I'm, I'm with you on that. But certainly it appears from the way this went down. And again, maybe it's just a one-week blurb and maybe, maybe, this, is, uh, maybe this is Georgia's last loss this year. At least until an SEC championship game or a bowl game or whatever. We'll talk about that this week. But to me, you look at this game, these two teams don't look particularly
0: close to each other right now.
1: Am I being too pessimistic or am I accurately nailing that down?
0: I think I'm going to try to take a stab at this. Will, I think you are in the denial stage of grief. And Tony, I think you're in the bargaining stage of grief.
1: No, well, believe you me, I'd love to be I'd love I'd love to be in denial. Like to me I, I would I would love some more denial here. I would love to me if, and and I and, and and you know I say this only in the context of the five stages that we're talking about Tony, but to me a the- theoretically speaking, what I don't actually believe this, but theoretically speaking, one could argue that you are more in denial of this cuz certainly I know a lot of Georgia fans are not feeling, ah, we just cost a couple of lost a couple of bad breaks. We could have had this game. Most of the Georgia fans that I saw and maybe this is something the fan base you guys know better than me, were like, "Here we like. Like Ugh, I can't even look at this anymore, and we're going halfway <laughs> through the third quarter.
0: <laughs> yeah, definitely.
1: Tony, what, I, 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 what do you think? Am I, I, am I? I'm not trying to be a pessimist or be disagreeable. You know, to me, that's that's kind of what it looked like to me.
2: In my mind, the better way to look at it is that let's say the game was twenty-one to ten, or uh, twenty-four to ten, twenty-one ten, twenty-four to ten. Would we be in a full-on fire cell panic mode about Georgia? And I wouldn't be. I mean. Am I disappointed and oh my gosh, did I walk out of there it's just like I can't believe this is happening again, I'm soaking wet and all this other stuff? Yeah, of course. I was in a very dark place. But I think it's dangerous to take away a thirty eight ten loss without a person what that's thirty eight and it wasn't as if they had seven drives of seventy five yards and we had one drive of that that much. That's not that's not what the numbers bear out. Now that doesn't change the fact that we lost by 28 points. And uh, my only thing about, about my only point in saying that is that I think it's dangerous to just simply say, you know, Georgia's the fifth best, sixth best, seventh best team in this conference and just write it off as that. That's, that's the only thing I'm saying. Because I don't, I don't actually believe that. Now, are we a – did we get out-coached yesterday, particularly uh, offensively? Yeah, I think we did. Um, did we get? Uh, did we get put in situations where our defensive players were basically forced to make really untenable decisions? I think we were, and you know, those are the sorts of things you try to fix and move on from. Now, does that mean that we're not going to play anything better than an offensive bowl? No, I still think we're top three or four team in, in the conference. I could be proven wrong, and may well be next week.
1: All right, well we are going to uh the, the we will wrap up with something happy, which is that um everybody in the SEC East save one particular notable exception <clears throat> Uh, looks terrible, other than Georgia. I wonder if that team will end up coming up at some point in the next podcast or coming up uh, later on this season certainly and one thing and one thing to remember i 've been i 've been Johnny Downer on this podcast, but one thing that tony you 've said the whole time is exactly right: Georgia can lose to Alabama and not actually lose any of its goals or the thing that it 's fighting for, and I think that 's absolutely correct if Georgia wins the rest of its games and again. They still look to me like a team that's going to be favored every game of the rest of this year. And if that happens, they're going to have a chance to play for the SEC Championship. And if they win that game, I still don't see how they don't get in the playoffs. I'm not sure they're a good enough team to do that, but certainly that is not off the table the way it would have been off the table for Alabama had they lost.
2: Yeah, I think that's right. and that, Like I said, we'll have, we'll have an opportunity to talk about Florida and what they did on Ole Miss on our podcast later this week, but... You know, I think the thing you want to be careful of is that you know Florida's structural problems on offense are still those structural problems on offense, and they had a lot. They had a great game yesterday that we've seen a lot of those games in Jacksonville. Uh, but you know, at this point, um, while I'm worried about Tennessee, the, the funny part about it, is somebody texted me this earlier, is like the odd part about this is that you know chances of Tennessee of winning against Tennessee go up because we this is, the Tennessee always game has always kind of been our letdown game. For some reason, and that's the Tennessee team is really reeling. I mean, we, don't, we don't go in there and, and wet the bed, but I, I, I like our chances better than I did if we go in. we'd beat Alabama thirty-eight to ten. I would be apoplectic about the <laughs> Tennessee and just being like going in there and, and rushing for seventy-seven yards and Lambert throwing three picks because we've seen that game.
0: Yeah. Will, can you? Uh, would you like to spend about sixty seconds? talking about that fantastic game against Nebraska and Illinois
1: you know I almost, I'm sure you're pretty happy about that I almost don't have the heart to on this podcast but certainly yes Illinois uh, Nebraska's first game that they played at Illinois in 30 years the first time Illinois has beaten Nebraska since the Red Grange era uh, that game was 13 to nothing the pretty much the entire way Nebraska made a third down pass call. When, they, uh, when even kneeling would have given the ball back to Illinois with about nine seconds left. Instead, they threw a pass. It went incomplete. West Lunt hit a John Allison down the middle for about 50 yards, then hit him again for a touchdown uh, with 10 seconds left. A ridiculous Illinois, game, Illinois victory. I'd like to note, this is the state of the Big Ten right now. <laughs> the Big Ten was the biggest game in Big Ten, uh, that will probably decide the Big Ten West and who will play Ohio State or Michigan State in the Big Ten Championship game is this Saturday at noon. On my fortieth birthday, by the way, Illinois at Iowa at noon on the- <laughs> So get hyped, everyone. The Big Ten no, West think, will I be excited. To, I
2: think chuckling and chortling is exactly the right approach. Yeah, I think so, I mean yeah. Yeah, that's. There's no way that we would have we would have considered that.
1: Yes, but uh, I'm sorry to all the Georgia fans that had to the the last this let this be the only. I'm pretty sure this will be the only time where at the end of it you're like, okay, well, after that horrible Georgia loss, let's talk about the happy Illini win. I wouldn't get used to that uh, on on a regular basis. Hey, just like Georgia, they're four and one. What a depressing way to end that. We'll uh, we'll be back uh, this week previewing Tennessee, and I don't know about you. I'm done talking about the Alabama game. We need to like – we need – let's before we get together for the next podcast, let us all come up with another way, a a term, like a happy term, like puppies or like daffodils or dandelions, some way to refer to this game so we don't have to call it the Alabama game. Let's try to come up with something. This is our homework before the next podcast. Let's come up with a way to refer to that game that's not the (laughs) Alabama game, something that makes us happy and makes us feel warm.
0: That sounds like a deal.
1: Okay. All right. All right. Thanks, guys. I'll see you guys uh, Tuesday night. Go, Dogs.
0: And as always, thanks for listening. Tune in on Thursday of this week to hear the three of us break down the always eventful trip up to Tennessee. And before I forget, there is a college football pick 'em contest that we host every week. And for the first four weeks of the season, our friend UGA Carey was sitting on top, but has now dropped to fourth overall. This week, with all the craziness and upsets around the country, we have a new leader. And that honor goes to someone who calls themselves Polar Shark. (laughs) Wow, what a name. If you're interested in entering the Pick'em Contest, you can find it on FunOfficePools.com or the Georgia Sports Blog. The Waitin' Since Last Saturday podcast can be heard on SoundCloud, the Georgia Sports Blog, as I just mentioned, and iTunes. And to all of you who have sent us comments, feedback, tweets, and reviews on iTunes, thank you very much. It does not go unnoticed. So as a reminder, you can tweet the show at WSLS Podcast. I've checked the weather forecast and the rain and clouds, which have pretty much been an unwanted visitor for the better part of two weeks, have moved out. Sunny skies and mild temperatures are coming back. So let's all agree to collectively move past the disappointing weekend and look positively toward the future. Wow, I sound like a motivational speaker. (laughs) Anyway, have a great week. We'll talk to you soon. And as always, we'll see you on campus. (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.